Welcome to episode 170 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alright guys, so welcome along to episode 170 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm very good. Our lives are contrasting now, aren't they? Because you've got the cycling outfit on, mm-hmm. and um, well, I haven't. <laughs> I've got my red shoes on. Busy back training. You got those red shoes? They're, f- they're fashion, Bevan. Thank they're you. fashion. See, that's what I've become a fashion guru. Yeah. I've anyway, got, I've got my uh, my Vine Man socks yeah, on. Yeah, Vine, really? Vine Man's on this weekend. You planned it, didn't you? I did. Okay, this week's show is proudly brought to you by coffeesofhawaii.com. For the world's most amazing coffee and aroma and everything. Trybuyers.com. Get on the deals. It's a no-brainer. It is a no-brainer. And athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Oh, oh the telephone oh, that is All right, I'm going to put the pause on. We're back and I've turned the phone off. Amateur radio. That hasn't happened in years, has it? It hasn't. It's always your cell phone, wasn't it? It was. Not even that, was it? <laughs> I don't usually cell. bring it, and I have actually brought it today, so. <laughs> yeah, but, but, well, I'm to my one off right now as well. Yeah. Okay, this week's show, well, we've got our news, we've got a high five, we've got an age group of the week, but most importantly, we have an interview, and I couldn't make it, so That's what right. happened? It's Bobby McGee. It's um, a great name, isn't it? It is a good name, and it's a good interview, actually. Really going to be, we're both just turning Best our, interview ever, I heard. Best just turn, both just turning our phones off right now. <laughs> There's John's phone off. Uh, and we're talking about sort of the run-walk uh, policy and sort of protocol that he, he's a big fan of, and, uh, and I'm, I'm certainly quickly being converted onto it myself. So, really? Um, yeah, so your next race you're going to do that? Yep, yep. So I'm not fully converted yet because I only... I, I well, pack- you would do it yourself in a race? Yep. Really? Guaranteed. After talking to him? Uh, no, I'm, I've already started doing it a little while ago, um, but it's quite challenging, and I'll, I'll discuss that maybe after the interview. Oh, okay, well, I can't wait to listen to the interview, which I probably mm-hmm. won't. Until tomorrow. <laughs> Anywho, news brought to you by XTry. Go to xtry.com to check out the latest news and interviews and gear review. I've got an interview up there this week with uh, Chrissy Wellington. Oh, have they? Just on her sort of post. We need to get her on the show. For well, a while. I'm, I'm planning on saving her up for Kona because you know she she gets pretty yeah. inundated with interviews. And you're thinking you, Kona, she's not going to be busy. Yeah, but I know we're we're important to her. Yeah, it's and true. And, and uh, we're she, probably number one on her list. She does. Triathlete Meg and, and us. I think she does a lot of interviews. So just she is good at <clears> kind of putting the word get out. Get it at the check. right time. Okay, we had Ironman Lake Placid on the weekend, and it was a big event and a bloody good race. Was Bevan blagging it? He's done no peas. Yeah, however, I've no <laughs> however, I've done my peas. And okay. If we remember last week, uh, I predicted that uh, I thought Jason Shortis, Shortis, Shortis yeah. would probably yeah. win it, and I thought Peter Vabrusic would come probably second. Yeah. And then I said my outside tip. You said no. There was no names at all, didn't you? Yeah. Basically. I said, mate, uh, I think it's Mike Twelsic, the German guy. I said he's German. Look out for it's him. Actually, speaking Mike. Mike. Yep. Yep. Mm. Uh, but anyway, Twelsic. He smoked it. He didn't just smoke it, John. He smoked it big time. He smoked it big time. <laughs> he and dominated the dojo. So he came out 51, 53 in the swim, 437, just killed everybody Man, on the bike. Dominated and the then, bike, uh, didn't he? And then he ran a 302, but he was probably in cruise control by that stage. So he did an 836, which, you know, on the face of it, you think, oh, that's not that fast. Yep. But for Placid, that's a pretty handy time. Um, well, when considering the second guy... Did an 8.56. Mm. And Jason Shortest did 8.58. This is no mug. So I had a quick scan through some of the old results, and that, yeah, as I said, that's very competitive. When Lessing won, he saw a course record there in 8.23, but he absolutely killed everybody on that day. Yep. So to go in 8.36 under no pressure at all, he could have probably gone a bit quicker. It was a pretty impressive performance. 
and we had the German Gazette, yep. Daniel Cassack. Picked it. Um, he's, uh, we, we mentioned this guy last week, and we said, Daniel, what's the lowdown on him? Yep. And it is Mike, is the, the Ger- yep. he's a German version of Mike, and it's 12 sick. He's been racing triathlon for more than a decade. Since 2006, he's focused on Ironman distance. Great. Two times top 10 and wrote, winner in Ironman Wisconsin 2007 and 14th in Kona in 2008. And he's part of the team that used to be called the, the Dresdner Clan Word team. Um, that's uh, um, what's his name? Yeah, St- um, Stadler's yeah. team. No, no, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it is. No, it's a Stad- oh. it was Stadler's team, but they've changed their name. Um, the, I think the bank's been taken over, so it's now Which called. Which one's team? He's ch- he's a Tri Abu Dhabi or oh, something yeah, like that. Yeah. So he's now what's the name of that team now? It's the Commerce Bank, and also on that team is Marcus Fakbar. Okay, you only said that just to get a response, didn't you? Daniel likes likes us when we say that name. That's our pronunciation of Marcus. Marcus. Fuck bar. <laughs> and, uh, not, I could go there, but I'm not going. I'm going to contain myself. I'm going to be an adult it, today, John. Daniel got it wrong as well. In my opinion, he does not have the killer ability, but is pretty good overall. Watch him get second and placid behind Jason Schultz. Well, Jason Schultz didn't even get second because good old Christian Badler, Bradler. Came in at second. Yep, with a uh, eight fifty six. Eight fifty six, shortest in third, and eight fifty eight. And where was uh, the glove man? Was six. only down at six nineteen. Yeah. That's not so good for him. It's a little bit better from the glove man, but then on the female side of things, well, this was pretty impressive. Uh, Teresa Marcel uh, was first out of the swim overall. Beat all the guys really? out of the swim. Fifty forty eight. How often does that happen? It must happen occasionally. Occasionally, you get people. I know Hillary led out of swim once. Um, yeah. And people like Monica and the top, top girls, they, they sometimes lead out of the swim. But that's pretty solid. Yeah, that's awesome, eh? And then she put in, um, I think, by far the fastest bike split, 5.13, very solid. Yeah, And then uh, rounded off with a 3-hour three, 20 run for Cruise a 9.29. You must give credit to the second girl, Catelyn Snow, 257 I believe that was the fourth fastest marathon of the day. Wow. Fourth? Yeah, overall. Oh, overall, wow. Yeah, so she beat most of the guys. You know, you're looking at the winner, he did uh, 3.02. So um, that's very, very solid. It's smoking. I think she won it last year. So she came home about 12 minutes later, 9.41. Sam McGlone only managed fourth in 9.44. Picked her for the win. Yeah. So she's coming back from a, a long, um, a long string of, of injury. You had a bit of the flu, mate. <clears throat> I had that last week. You're I'm losing I'm, your I'm, voice. I'm getting over it. You a bit like me. I've been out in the cold for a long time today. Oh, are you right? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Cuddle, sure. A cuddle will be good. Okay, I'll, I'll set it to the show. <laughs> <laughs> so Sam McGlone claimed third, 9.44. So you've got to be wondering what's going on there. And I asked Bobby McGee about that, and you can hear about that I later that on. Name, Bobby McGee. <laughs> I love it. It's just like a perfect name. I'm going to name my kid Bobby McGee Isles. Are you having another one, eh? Well, I am now. Um, but anyway, you've you got to wonder whether she was um, racing to maximum effort or she was just there to pick up a slot for Kona this year. Um, but well, it's a good. 3.15 run, you're thinking, maybe not. Well, no, she, she can run three. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. She yeah. was probably not killing it. Yeah, but it was pretty close between her and, and seconds. So good yeah. to see her back racing. And uh, Tara, the Nortonator, yeah. uh, was back there in seventh in 10.13. Love your work, Tara. Okay, so we also had the Slovak man. The Slovak man. Slovak man. Where's that one? Is that, that one here? Uh, oh, up, up here. Oh, I hate that ad. <laughs> if you've got the internet and you scan over it and it makes that noise, oh, no. it really annoys me. Anyway, I thought this was coming up this weekend. The Slovak man was on a couple of weekends ago. Go on, then. And in first place was Mikhail Kulic in 8.51. Second was Karol Zalak in 8.55. And third, Andrzej Orlicki in nine hours. And that's the guys and the girls. Hold on, scan back to the top. Uh, go Zeni. 
Zinni. Zinni is the girls. That means girls and, and there's there only, only three. There's only three girls. Wow. Gabriella Loskatova was 10.09. Sylvia Blahova. You did pretty good with these, mate. 11.16. And Daniela Tislova. Tislova. 11.31. My question is, you turn up to a race, there's only three people in the race. Now, that week when you go to work, do you make a big point of the fact you got third? Oh, yeah, you got third. Yeah. <laughs> you do? Right. So you go, oh, I had this race weekend, put off a third. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, it was a good day at the office. I, I know people that go into the office and they say, yep, I finished, uh, you know, seventh. Yep. And it was actually seventh in the age group, but they just sort of said seventh. <laughs> and to say that I got uh, overall. Do you want to name names? No, I'll tell you afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Okay then, uh, coming up this weekend, well, we've got the Vine Man. Vine Man, it's good to see they've still got, I, I don't know what the numbers I've had in the past, but they've still got a decent sized field there. It's a good sized field, eh? Hey? Considering it's a non-WTC race. Yeah, 510 men, 170 women, so good luck for all you guys doing uh, Vine Man this weekend. And, uh, you know, and so, yeah, great. It's the longest running event in North in the actual America, eh? Yeah, I think it's, yeah, because it was a long, long time before they actually had an iron distance race in America, because it was always just Kona was the Iron Man. Um, and good on them for getting these kind of numbers because you see a lot of these smaller races pulling off 200 people but to get around 700 mm. people was good quality and from what we know they, they seem to do a really good race and that we, we seem to communicate with them a little bit so good luck this weekend guys mm. dominate the dojo and bring it on Ironman UK is coming up this weekend yeah and we've got a new venue as well new venue is being held in Bolton so make sure if there's a few of you guys that are maybe racing up there or, or watching do spit us through an email on um, uh, as soon as possible after the race just let us know what it was like the good, the bad and the ugly <clears throat> and last year the, both the Baylisters took it out didn't they? they did yeah, yeah so Stephen's back this year and I think you know, they've probably got a pretty good chance of doing it again yep. um, interesting I mean Stephen Bayless the number one seed I'd expect him probably to win you um, know what I love about this website? They have their t-shirt sizes on. Lothar Leader, he's an extra large. That Lothar Leader's the one to watch. I mean, he hasn't done anything for years now, but I mean, he's just an absolute machine. He's one of my favourite all-time athletes. Uh, First man to break eight hours uh, in an Ironman. Finished as high as third in Kona, and he's just a, he was a really versatile machine. I'm thinking athlete. he's put on a little bit too much weight, but because he's got an extra large top. He is a big unit, man. He's a big guy. Um, so if he's on fire, um, he could serve, serve some problems along Toby, with the Tobinator. Tobinator. Um, but on that first page, I'm not really seeing anybody that's going to be um, getting up there in Stephen Bayless's face too much. Keegan Williams, the Kiwi. Yeah. Uh, he, he, I don't think he'll beat um, uh, Stephen, but I think he'll be he'll be up there on the podium if he has a good day. He's definitely, I think, a couple more years, you know, he's definitely yeah. up there, because he got second in Monica, didn't he? Yep, uh, yeah. second or third. Yeah. Girl side of things, or Hillary, Bella? It's a, I think it's a Bella show. Hillary will be battling around there for, for the, the podium. Abigail Bailey, she's shown a little bit of um, form this year as well. So, again, outside of, um, you know, Bella is the only big name there and top ten sort of Kona athlete, and Hillary will be um, on her on field, only eight females. That's right. Wow, it's pretty crazy, isn't you it? You've just got to finish within that percentage and you're in the money. You're in the money. Okay, uh, Kuma, what's that? The Kalmar Try in Sweden. Yep. And it uh, looks like it's, we've got a really good-sized field there. Um, we've got quite a few non-WTC races on. Uh, don't worry about the field. Um, <laughs> this weekend, I think there was... So good, we're not even going to worry about it. There was about a good 500 or so in there. There's also the Nokia Try in Finland. Um, nice. That one didn't have any English on it. There's the Ostelman in Germany, and uh, they look like they've got about 510 people racing there. Nice. So one thing I was going to say about this, you know, K226 
Um, this is where I get all these, these races from. You're looking at all these races, most of them now have an English version on there. So if you're looking to broaden your horizons a little bit for your European athletes and try to find some, some different races, most of them now cater for the English speakers. And, uh, and also, if you're on a tight budget, these ones are generally a lot cheaper than WTC races. And if you've done a few WTC races, it's just good to get out and try something different, eh? Hmm. You, yeah. o- you often get what you pay for, and you know you might turn up to these races and you'll get you know, you get, you get your race, and that's yeah. why you pay 200 euros for it versus 500 euros. Yep. Um, and you'll get to go out there and do an iron distance race. You might not have all the hype and the razzmatazz. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, there's some cool races. K226.com. Okay, and other news. Well, new half for New Zealand. Yeah, up in Lake Karapiro. So for all you Kiwis. Where's that? Lake Karapiro is where they do the rowing up by Hamilton. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it was doing the rowing for they, me. They, yeah, they used to have a half up there a few years ago. So November the 14th, nice early season one for you. For the North Island people, eh? Yeah, and the South Island people, if you want to kick into things oh, early. The South Island half. In the South Island half. Yeah, uh, support the local races, mate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jeepers, creepers. And, and sadly, well, not sadly, but Gina Ferguson has come out. And she, it was interesting, she got New Zealand one Network News. She was on three as well. Really? So you've got either got to say this is really good marketing or maybe a little bit naive because um, it was... Uh, okay, wait, well, let's tell the story first of all. So Jenna Ferguson didn't have a very good day at rope and she basically went to the doctor and they've said that she's got a problem with one of her valves and her heart, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's uneven or something. But she's, they say that she's had it all her life. She had it, you know, it's, it's from, from birth and it hasn't, it wouldn't have been the cause of having a bad race in, in, um, yep. in rope. Could cause her problems further down the track, but they said, you know, just carry on as usual and, um, and worry about say, later on. Although they did say that if she gets tired or sick, she has to stop training, which yeah. you sometimes you push through normally yeah. if you're a nine man. So that could be detrimental, couldn't it? So it's, it has been big news, been very big news in New Zealand um, because the media love to get hold of these stories. And yeah. uh, even if it's a, you know, triathlon's a well known sport in New Zealand, but like it was on the Ironman.com homepage and it was, it was reasonably big news internationally. So. Um, <clears throat> great marketing or um, she probably maybe didn't think it through <laughs> you've got to be careful what you put on the blogs these days because I know that she, she keeps a good blog now yeah. and I see articles in our local newspaper and they're just cutting and pasting things off her blog so what's happening to reporting John that's right but yeah. you've got to, so you've got to be careful what you say and, and that also happened in the Tour de France this year I think a few people said some pretty stupid things and whether they were taken out of context or not I don't know but um, okay well let's do our wrap up of the Tour de France were you happy John did you think it was a good tour well, the right person won yeah. so um, that was good I'm still not a fan at all of the team time trial. So is it back next year? Team time trial? Don't know. They don't, haven't announced it yet. Uh-huh. Um, so we no, have a few emails from people coming through saying, "I know we're, we're probably this is the last bit we're going to talk about the iPod issue. Let's decide for a while." Yeah. Okay. But we did get some emails from people saying, now, "Look, <clears throat> the Billy Tour de France riders, they get to do it." Well, I, I would doubt. I could be wrong here that they listen to much music as they no, but apparently on. they do. Do they? Yeah. Okay, well, I'm wrong then. So, and I found that really interesting in pack riding. Mm. Like as much as I am a fan of it, in some cases in pack riding, good. I think I'd, I'd like them to get rid of radios. But the, the one argument most of the it's riders have is no, it's more a safety issue. You know, if you've got if you're coming into a, a technical section and if you're a pack of 170 and you go right, you got to watch out that really tough hairpin coming up or something like that. I kind of agree with that. Yeah. I think it'd be great tactically if they didn't have them because um, it would change the dynamic of the oh, race, eh? Be because fantastic. you wouldn't know what's happening up the road. Yeah. You, you know, you couldn't actually, you know, because it's so technical and it's so based on your manager letting you know what's happening, eh? Yeah. yeah. But um, I think it's too well entrenched now. They think that they tried to get rid of. It, or they tried to have a couple of days this year on the tour yeah, with no radios, up, and they, they sort of um, that didn't really go through. Jeff Earl sent through an email saying Jensen Button. The current leader of the Formula One, which is pretty cool, 
is going to be doing a triathlon. He's going to, he, he does it most years, I think. It's, so it's, he's doing the. But he uh, lay on a challenge. He put out a challenge to Hamilton. Say, oh. I'll take you on. Ah. Yeah, bring it on, Tampon. And I got old Hamilton backed out. Oh, did he? Yeah, and I think they'll try to get another racer to actually take it on as well. Well, I understand Mark Weber does some. I uh, heard it on the radio today, actually. Mark Weber, who's uh, the Red Bull team, um, he does a bit of multi sport and triathlon and stuff as well. You so. kind of wonder how they get time, because you think if you're one of those guys, you're yeah. pretty busy. Well. They race cars. I mean, they, I mean, I know they've yeah, got to they do like testing stuff. and they've got to take yeah, photos and hang out with hot chicks. It's no harder than training for you know any other sport full time. I'm sure they've got time. Bradley Smith, who's the Moto GP one two five World Championship, which is a motorbike, yeah. is going to take him on. Uh-huh. But he, he, he said, he said, "Come on, Hamilton, bring it on." And Hamilton, no, no. I'm weak. No. I'm soft. No. I'm just here for the photos and the girls. Mm. I like Button. He's a hardcore. We're actually hoping to get him on the show. We're, we're highly unlikely it will happen. But, highly unlikely. But if it happens, it would be a highlight of our <clears> career, wouldn't it? Wouldn't quite call it the highlight of my career, but... Oh, come on. The Formula he's, 1 world champ. Yeah, well, he's not the world champ yet. Well, he, he crumbled in the last race. He only got seventh. Oh, did he? Yeah. He'd been keeping tabs, have you? I watch a lot of sport. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you asked me what TV I watch, and if there's anything I try okay, to... Okay, this week then, what's your, well, let's do your weekly update. Us, but what's the best thing you've seen on TV for sport this week? Oh, Tour de France stuff. Really? Uh... And I would have, uh, I don't know which stage I probably liked the best. Mon Von 2 ended up being a little bit of an anticlimax, but basically Tour de France this week was it. All Blacks were very disappointing. All Blacks were disappointing. Mm. But the Ashes were good. But that was last week we talked about last week. Okay, Our topic of the week last week, we talked about swimming. Should there be a swimming test done? Who sent this through? Good old James Maguire sent this through. And it's, it's, it should be a swim test that you should do before you're allowed to over, compete in maybe an Ironman race. Mm. So, you know, maybe you have to go to your pool and you have to prove that you can swim a K non-stop or something like that. In light of that safety issue where the guy did uh, Which was unfortunately quite last week. Um, in the race. So anyway, I'll start off with Nick Hutton. Um, you can guarantee that if a test was introduced, it would need to be done by a sanctioned body, no doubt affiliated to WTC, and drag even more money out of us. Given that I am a reasonably strong swimmer, I couldn't give a rat's ass about the non-swimmers struggling in the back. Uh, people... Signing up are well aware of the distance. It's, iron, um, it's an Iron Man for God's sake, not a pussy man. Fire beware. Oh, pussy man. Yeah. I'm not going to go there. Full force vegan, totally impractically, unfortunately. Totally impractical, totally impractical unfortunately, I yeah. should say. I think common sense should prevail. I just went off the shortest one. Cool. Jay Waters uh, is having the nerve to enter a race with a 3.8k swim at the start, not a test. People have to pass a test to be able to drive and still there are idiots on the road. What use would a swim test be other than to give more idiots jobs? Um, keep it simple, training and racing, and all is good. No tests, just take responsibility for your own actions. Gerard Smith's going... Oh, that's my one. Oh, what's the short I'll do one? my one. Okay, I'll, no, no, I'll... here. Julian Levy. Uh, Levi, I should say. Um, if I go one step further, I think it would make sense that in order to participate in Ironman race, you must first compete in a sanctioned half Ironman race within a lot of time. Basically, you would need to qualify for an Ironman at a half just by finishing it. Of course, this just passes the question down to the half Ironman event. But it's probably true because the half Ironman's only, you know... They the, used to, in some race, I mean, like in Australia, you, you, had used, to, you used to have to qualify. Yeah. Um, uh, Jared Smith, if, and it's a big if, oh, it's a big to, if. If there was to be a test, it should be totally about confidence slash capability, nothing to do with speed or performance. 
Here's my real simple test. Push the person off the boat in the middle of Lake Taupo. <laughs> if they freak out, they fail. If they deal with it, they pass. <laughs> nice. It'd be quite, quite a big swim back into shore too, wouldn't, wouldn't it? Be, yeah. yeah. What, what was it when they swam across? It was, I thought it was 42k or something when yeah. they swam across. We should push him and see how he goes. From <laughs> 21k, take that. Okay, <laughs> yeah, uh, Craig Brighthouse, it's, a per- it's about personal responsibility. It's up to the competitor to ensure their swim is up to a certain standard. And if it is weak, then they should seed themselves well near the back of the pack and keep themselves out of trouble. If you start introducing standards in the swim, then shouldn't you also do it for the bike as there are riders who could improve on their riding skills? More accidents occur on the bike, so start there first. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts? Uh, well, I think if, if people are particularly bad swimmers and they're stupid enough to enter an Ironman, their penalty is they've got to pay 500 bucks, 600 bucks, whatever it is to enter, and then they don't finish the swim. So yeah. I think that's punishment enough. I think, um, and, and I think this really affects such a small percentage of the yeah. field. It's it's just not worth the effort to go through. And I think, yeah, if people are stupid, so stupid to enter, and they can't can't swim the distance. Um, they're, they're, they're just dumbasses. And and I've, I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> Tell I me mean, what you really think, John. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I've seen good people that, that cannot swim or, or really struggle to swim, and it's take, taken them maybe a couple of years, and they can swim the Ironman no problem. And they do it. You know, Alex, my, my Greek man, is a perfect example. Terrible swimmer. Um, swam for, you know, two years, did an hour 45, and, yeah. he, and he was a, a weak swimmer. Yeah. And um, Brett Whiteley, never listened to the show. Yeah, good old Brett. He, he's just plugging away, and he'll, he'll do it no problem now. Yeah. And, um, and th- those are people who get in the pool and they could struggle to do one length, yeah. and then they've built it up. And uh, so I think if people want to do Ironman and they say, I can't swim, I think that's rubbish. You might not be able to swim fast. Yeah. It's just going to take you some time. But I've seen so many examples of people so, that can't so you, swim. So you don't feel there should be a test? I don't feel there should be a test. Uh, I do feel it's for a minority, you know, as you were saying before. Like, but you look at something like the coast to coast where you have to actually get your grade two to do the kayak, but it's a lot more risk in something that's like that. safety. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know... Such a bigger area that they have to marshal. Mm. So whereas an Ironman swim, you've only got you know a couple k distance that they have to marshal. So probably not really necessary. But yeah, you do get those old people who kind of haven't swam at all and think they can do an Ironman. Yeah, and, and I think that for us in our community, is if you get someone like that, you need to be really clear that hey, you know what, an Ironman swim is not an easy thing. Mm. But in terms of the people that are dying, um, I don't think it's a, you know we have had a few deaths in swim. It's not because they, 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 they get they get to three point. 1k and they just drop dead and they fall to the bottom of the sea yeah. it's because they're getting hit or not so it's not necessarily their um their swimming ability it's often an outside issue you know having a heart attack a panic attack yeah and you're or not, getting hit or something like yeah, that yeah and you're not going to find that out from a test i don't think if you're new to the sport you really need to be clear on how you're going to treat the swim you know like you've really got to be clear you're going to stay to the side you're going to start at the back of the pack and all those things that just give you more safety and do some practice events and 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 you know do some aquathons do some triathlons and, and be on the three-year plan then you will have done plenty of racing and you're going there confidence John. love your work okay well we've got what's this week's one from morton leach oh this is Live I'll, 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 I'll um spill this one out so it's morton sent me an email um and it's a, it's a blog so we'll put a link to the blog up there okay about That's a guy thought. saying how um iron man's really dying and itu's really just kicking ass in terms of the tv coverage and everything so my question where to you the, was Morton based? Uh, don't know. Okay. Uh, Doesn't say. Don't know. Okay. Anyway, uh, my question to you is: If you're what you're going to watch a, uh, would you prefer to watch a one-hour highlights package of an Ironman race, not Kona, or a one-hour highlights package of an ITU triathlon? Why not Kona? Because I mean, most people go, yeah, I'd watch Kona because it's it's a it's, the, you know, it's the pinnacle. Um, but if it's like say a standard ITU World Championship Series race or an Ironman um, somewhere. 
It's an hour-long highlights package. Which would you prefer to watch? I know your answer. <laughs> I'll tell you my answer next week. I've got some thoughts that may be different to you, John. That's, so that's quite right. That's just great I'm, about the show. I'm, We're I the am, yin and the yang, aren't we? I am interested to hear what people have to think because you know a lot of people um, don't like watching ITU because it's a bunch of drafting. They often think and. Um, and on the other side, the flip side, we, we'll talk about next week. It depends a lot on the commentary as well. It does. Because when you watch true. ITU, it's kind of like watching the Tour de France. It's the commentator who actually makes it interesting because That's most true. of the time you're just watching riders go in a pack. Mm. And if you watch ITU... Let's you know, talk about it next week. Oh, see, I'm bringing up an argument. <laughs> right now, let's put on something else. Here's some music. Here we go. And good old Peter Colston sent through this week's one, and the name is Smitty, Smitty. or aka Malcolm Smith. Nice. And why? He did his first Ironman in Australia in 2001. He did 1346 in the age group of 40 to 44. He swam 129, biked 715, and ran 501 for a total of 1346. After doing nine Ironmans over the last eight years on Sunday in Japan, he qualified for Kona for the first time and finished in a time of 10. 29, coming second in his age group in a time of swim of 107, bike 5.42 and run of 3.39. Just a bloody good race, isn't it? It's a very balanced, solid race. Yeah, well, consistent over the whole day. And wait a second, he did that in 2001, so he's probably in the... He, was 40, he must be getting close to 50 there, if, if not beyond it. Well, he must be, because that was yeah. in a year, so he's in his 50 to 50 plus. Great guy, really deserves this fantastic for his fantastic achievement. He listens to the show every week, so we definitely love that as well. He's qualified for Kona, is he? And his nickname is Secret Trainer. Nice. We'll, we may well see you in Kona. Well, hopefully we will. Mr. Secret Trainer. In the last 18 months, after setting his goal, he has not slept past 4.30am. His secret is running sand hills twice a week. It's, it's a really good example. If you want to progress in the sport, if you're willing to stick at it consistently year in, year out, mm. you know you will get that growth. And, and, and here's a real example that it doesn't necessarily matter if you're starting in your 40s, you know what I mean? You can actually, even at that age, you can still get a lot of growth. Like, he's knocked off over three hours. Yeah, over, yeah, yeah three over three hours. hours. Three and a quarter hours. That's wicked, solid. eh? Yeah, no, that's very solid. It's a bloody good effort. And yeah, you just got to be persistent. And, and you know, you've got to age, you know, you've got the, um, the, you know, as you do get older, you're always going to be battling the ageing factor. But if, yep. you, if you're young to the sport, your athletic age is, is still very low. Mm. As Bevan said, you can still get some big improvements. Oh, it's massive. And I think the thing that his result really shows, he, he had a really consistent race. You know, all those times are really consistent and really good overall. And he's probably, because he's done so many Ironman, he knows how to race smart. Mm. And it's such an important factor to have a great race. And you look at those times, his swim and his bike, they're all kind of evenly split. And, you know, that's what comes down to being a wise racer, eh? Very solid, Smitty. We'll hopefully see you in Kona. Make sure you do. We'll, we'll have a meet-up, won't we, in Kona? Oh, yeah, we'll have more than one meet-up. Oh, we'll have a meet-up a day! <laughs> Malcolm Smith. We'll have are. a ride? We'll have a ride? Yep, just need to hang on. Oh, really? You're, you're, gonna, you're gonna lay the hammer down, are you? I'm selfish when I train. <laughs> <laughs> Malcolm Smith, you are our... Age group of the week. week. Love your work. One, two, three, four! High five! Actually, we'll do this one next week. No, no, we're doing now. No, because I haven't done my prep. Oh, it's gold though. No, I know, but it can wait till next week. And look, we've already got half an hour interview. Oh, it's a good one. Okay, well, next, guys, you wait till next week. I tell you, I'm going to put some music on. <laughs> Here we go. It's not really Coach's Corner, is it? Oh, I'm, do you want to do an intro? Coach's Corner. I arranged it, I did it. 
Bobby I'm, McGee. Bobby McGee. I love that name. He's a well. So tell me about him. Bobby's a well-known coach. Um, does a lot of work with USA Try. He's a South African by birth and sort of raised. Does over he have there. the accent still? Because I have oh, a cool yeah. accent, eh? Hey? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you talking about, you fella? Yeah. So, Get um, over there and get over. He's, uh, we watched a pair of one the other day, my daughter and I. Very good. Yeah, well, it's based in South Africa. Yeah. They talk like this in the movie. That's good. Bobby talks like that too. And <laughs> um, yeah, just listen up, basically going through a, f- a few things you find interesting and then the run-walk protocol. We, we touch on Rasmus Henning's uh, marathon time. Oh, and he and, thinks he can uh, do it, doesn't he? And, well, you can find out. <clears> listen oh, to well, it. Why don't we listen to it right now? <laughs> there you go. Right, here we go. Okay, on this week's show, we're very happy to have uh, Bobby McGee, um, very well-known endurance coach from uh, States, but originally from elsewhere, which we'll find out in, in a moment. Um, and for the listeners who, who follow Gordo closely, you probably heard him talk a little bit before in the past, and uh, he's also got a few new books out that we're going to discuss. So um, welcome along to the show, Bobby. Thank you for having me. That's okay. Hey, Bobby, I mean, as I said, a number of the listeners will have um, probably followed you a bit with Gordo, but um, especially for those who haven't followed uh, you in the past, maybe just give us a bit of background into your um, introduction into triathlon and and, and sort of where you've come from originally. All righty. I'm a South African by birth, and I did most of my sport and most of my studying in South Africa, so that's where my background is. I started with triathlon. In uh, 1986, I wanted to do an Ironman, and I was a track and field coach at the time and, uh, and a road runner. And that's my background. I was co- uh, coaching milers at a university uh, at an international level and uh, did the Ironman and uh, ended up, you know, coaching triathletes. And uh, I, I always said to myself, you know, as soon as I end up coaching something, I'm not going to do it anymore. So I think I had... 10 years of triathlon and then I became a damn triathlon coach and that went out the window too and so now I play golf and refuse to coach anybody but my son <laughs> do, you, um, do, you still, do you still run yourself much or do you, is it pretty much refined to the golfing no it's pretty much refined to the golfing I try and keep fit, I do quite a bit of walking I, uh, I uh, severed a hamstring, I ruptured a hamstring in, in about 2000 I think uh, playing touch rugby in South Africa in the mountains and couldn't get it seen to for about a week, and so it uh, it pretty ended up the running. I I did c- come back and run a little bit, but it uh, was a, a a seriously real pain in the butt, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and I yeah. couldn't get back anyway, so I didn't get back to any kind of time. So you know, I just mess around. So when I do drills and so on with with the athletes and so on, I do some strides and some sprints and stuff. But uh, gone are the days of a five o'clock in the morning hour run. No longer. <laughs> you still follow those Springboks? Absolutely, we just uh, gave you guys a clap on the weekend, and so I'm glad to hear, I'm glad about that. Spirits, <laughs> there must have been food poisoning again. <laughs> yeah, it must have been something like that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, I mean, obviously, we're going to focus a bit on the, the Ironman um, distance when we discuss this, but I've always got my ITU hat on as well. I mean, what, what do you think of the, the changing nature of the the run discipline and and triathlon at the moment? It seems uh, the, a lot of it's coming down to sprint finishes, and and with the athletes, maybe you're working at that level. Does that does that tra- change? the way that those athletes train much in terms of preparing themselves for a sprint finish as opposed to like a a 10k even split 
You know, it, it does, but it all depends on the level of the athlete. You know, strange with my work in the U.S., a lot of my work is done working with swimmers and uh, people that come from other backgrounds other than running backgrounds trying to turn them into uh, runners. But what happens is is that, uh, you know, you go – the first thing you do is, is work on the mechanics. The second thing you do is working on making them a competitive time trialist so they can run an even split 10K. And then when they get to the level, you know, that they are at now – then uh, you start working on tactically. And I remember in my talks with Harry Wilson, uh, Steve Ovet's coach, you know, that, that, that's what you do is you, you coach somebody to run a time trial uh, and then run a sort of in, at, a, at, at the highest pace they can possibly run, but even, and then you change them to, into a tactical racer. And so, you know, with my work with Jared Schumacher, who won this weekend in, in Hamburg in Germany, he, uh, you know, he was a, a collegiate runner. He's always been a, a low 14-minute 5K runner. Yeah. So, you know, this comes naturally to him. Uh, but for people like Andy Potts and so on, who, you know, they, they come from a swimming background, we actually designed workouts for them. Andy does a workout uh, where he does 900 meters, but he, do, he runs an uneven pace. He might run 300 at, at race pace, 300 kick, 300 race pace again, and then he'll change it up like that so that these guys learn how to run like track runners or like 10K road runners because it's come down to that. and. Mm. Javier Gomez is the guy who started that. You know, he he's typically has this big surge at uh, out of transition. He might run the first K in 250 or something like that, and then he'll wait again till 3K and try and burn the guys again, and then wait until 7K, knowing that he didn't have the finishing sprint. And when it was fun at the Olympics to watch Jan Fredino and these guys, it was a track race. You could see Simon Whitfield thinking like a track runner, and then you could see Jan Fredino coming up on his blind side, and it was it's it's a very exciting to have all these. Very, very fast finishes with the men and the women and then the, the runners, the true runners or the runners that have been trained to run like road runners or like track runners coming through and winning those races. It's very, very exciting. What, um, I mean, there's a lot of debate out there in terms of actually how fast the guys are going because um, you know, the courses are often short or long or hilly or whatever. What, you know, those, those top, top handful of guys, you know, Doherty, Schumacher, um, Gomez, and, and especially probably Brownlee, what, what do they run, say, for a, would you say they run for a fresh 10K? Well, we had the, the when Brownlee made his breakthrough just two weeks before he had his first breakthrough ITU race, he actually ran a 29.30 or a 29.31 flat 10K. Mm -hmm. And I know guys like Hunter Kemper are clearly, when, when, you know, when I watch them training and when we do some work together, they clearly, you know, low 29-minute low guys. But I think there's some guys out there that could, if they specifically trained, like Jared, you know, uh, there's, a, there's an American kid, uh, what is his name, uh, Brown, I think, um, and he, he's, he's run a collegiate 2850 or something like that. But I think the guys are going to need to be 20, 28 and a half, to you know, to twenty nine flat for for a for an open ten k to be competitive because you're right, New Plymouth and these courses where the guys are running twenty nine and low twenty nines they're not they're not correct. The course length is not correct. I don't think anybody's actually ever run sub thirty yet off the bike. Anyway, we better get back to the topic that I was <laughs> okay. <laughs> rather talking ITU stuff. I get excited about it. But anyway, um, one of the things that I've been working on with a lot of the athletes I work with um, recently is, is moving to this run-walk protocol that I know you're a big fan of. So can you maybe just tell us um, a bit of background with that and, and sort of what's going on with, with your body in terms of um, the physiology of it when, when people start adopting a run-walk um, policy in their, their training and racing? 
Sure. Yeah. Uh, Gordo on Endurance Corner has published some stuff as well about what you know what I've done and and what his experiments have been. But I'll, I'll happily go through that too. To me, it's uh, from from a subjective standpoint, I'm blown away that more people aren't doing this, and I really think that the that the professional Ironman athlete, the the, the great Ironman athlete, is eventually going to figure out how to run 235, 230 off the bike using the run walk method. That's that's how convinced I am. But anyway, I started off by you know I, I know Jeff Galloway very well and uh, have worked with him in the past before. You know, we've shared stages and so on with uh, talks, and uh, I've always liked his approach to it. Um, and he, he's the one that basically initiated this for the average runner uh, who wants to run a marathon transition up, run only three days a week, and use the walk run method. But doing analyses of ultra marathons and Ironman races. And I speak to people and they say, look, I, I, this is what I'm in, intending to run. And I'm saying, okay, that's, you know, 13-minute miles or that's 14-minute miles. And I'm saying, how much of this race do you, in, you know, do you intend to walk? Oh, no, no, I want to run the whole way. Mm. And then with post-race analysis, they're always walking a good 10% of the race, if not more. And the walking is all reactive. So, in other words, they're running until they get hammered into walking and 90% of, of, of Ironman triathletes have to walk anyway. You know, often winners have had sections where they walk and they, and they still pull it off, you know. And um, so, you know, when I start off with somebody doing that, I actually have them go and run a 90-minute run and then a week later go and run a 90-minute run and then do the walk-run method. And typically they run faster, they recover quicker and that kind of thing. But I'll go through that in detail. Mm. Uh, but by taking that analysis – and the first person I ever did it with was an ultramarathon runner. And I just said, you will walk 10 minutes off the start line and you will never run more than 10 minutes before you take a walk break. Yeah. And if you can, take only a minute walk break, but, but that was the rule. And she took two and a half minutes, I mean, two and a half hours off her best time ever mm-hmm. in a hundred miler, you know, by using that method. So, you know, the benefits, I'm talking to Tim Noakes at the moment about doing a study or a number of studies, and I'm talking to Bob Sibaha, the the, ex, uh, the uh, sports nutritionist from the U.S. here who went with our Olympic team, about doing a study to prove that it, that it works on all these levels. So, you know, what I'm going to give you guys now is empirical, yeah. but d- definitely on treadmill tests, a lower heart rate overall for the same speed. So let's say you're running 16K or something like that. You can achieve 16K with a, with a lower heart rate because you keep dropping the heart rate every 10 minutes or whatever your interval is. Yeah. I strongly suspect that your fat burning, your ability to fat burn and your fat burning during the walk run will be much, much more effective than if you were running the whole way. Just because you, you're accessing such a lower percentage of your VO2 max that it just makes it easier for your body to adapt. So I think you'll learn to fat burn better. You will fat burn better when you race. And of course, you will, uh, you know, um, you'll have all those benefits during training as well. Yeah. You're able to do more volume in training sooner. In other words, you know, if you're running, if you're only running, you normally find that, um, uh, you know, 10%, 12%, maybe 15% if you're mechanically very sound is what you can increase your volume from week to week. With a walk-run method, you can probably go 15 to 20% in increases in your, in your, in your run volume without, without the breakdown that you would typically expect. And uh, so, you know, you can up that volume straight away and you can do it much quicker as well. So, you know, you find, let's say you were doing, uh, you know, 40 or 50 or 60K a week, you're now suddenly able to do, 
you know, 50, 60, 70 K a week for the, you know, for the same effort without, without the breakdown, without the breakdown. Decreased cardiovascular and vascular peripheral fatigue. When I started using it, that was the biggest thing for me is, is that I, I noticed that there was, um, that athletes were able to get higher heart rates later on. So I do a workout like four times 5K, which is a typical marathon workout. Mm -hmm. And uh, I preload them. So they might do a 15K or, or something like that before that, nice and easy. And then they'd run three times 5K at, at marathon race pace mm -hmm. and found that they weren't able to keep their heart rate in, the, in, in that um, um, tempo zone that I wanted, and I call it the steady state H or the steady state M zone, steady state marathon zone. And they weren't, be able, weren't able to get their heart rates up because their leg strength was failing at that stage. Okay. But with the walk-run method, they seem to maintain leg strength better because the big thing with the walk-run method is, is there's no fadeaway at the end like there is with, with straight-out running. The big caveat, though, is, is how you walk and how you transition in and out of the walk break. That, that was the biggest thing for me is, is, you know, people would say, it doesn't work for me. I find if I take a walk, I can't get going again. I feel my legs have shut down. And then when I look at them, I ask them to send me a video of their transition and how they're walking. Their walking cadence is way too slow. It's under 60 and it should be 65 to 75. Yeah. And they drop their arms down. They take this long loping gait and they basically defacilitate and de-recruit. So it's a very short, rapid step walk with the arms held like a runner. And it's a kind of a, a cyclic little turnover as opposed to a single phase step, 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 you know. So it's a really high cadence. So you're and the in a, a little bit like, you know, like what you see the walkers in, in, the in, in the Olympics and so on, not obviously making sure their feet are always in contact, but trying to keep a fairly high cadence up. Exactly. If, I always say if you're watching somebody running behind a wall and uh, you can only see them from the waist up, when they break into the walk, all you see is them going a little slower, yeah. and, but you see nothing else. Okay. The cadence stays the same, the rhythm stays the same, the arms stay the same, the body angle stays the same, but they just, they just transition much, much more smoothly. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, th I think probably the feedback I've had from a few people as well is they find it um, mentally gives them um, a little bit of a break, you know, and they, they've got something they can focus on other than just uh, slogging through the distance. And have you also found much in terms of um, absorption, in terms of the, the nutrition people are taking on, especially, say, in an Ironman race? Oh, absolutely. You know, but we've known this from the marathon uh, and in the Ironman itself is, is that when you walk through the aid stations, you know, your heart rate drops, you absorb it better. And when you run through aid stations anyway, heart rate's too high. I've had this with my elite marathon runners as well, is that their heart rates go up six, seven beats through through the through the aid stations uh, just because of the, the tactical maneuvers of grabbing a bottle and staying on, on pace and things like that. So what I make them do now is grab that bottle, run through the aid station and then when their heart rate settles down they get their rhythm back again then you then then ingest so this is just one step further than that when you're walking you absorb fluids better mechanically you absorb fluids and nutrition better just because your gut is not shaking around so much mm. but also from from a perspective of lower heart rate and that kind of thing it, sh it should make it easier and again i don't have any scientific studies to do that mm. but you know Instinctively, people who are in a, a long race and that are not going that fast do always stop and try and, you know, walk when they're drinking their drinks or having their nutrition. And, and how do you sort of figure out what's the best ratio for you? You mentioned, say, the 10 minutes on, one minute off. I've, I've heard other people doing you know, five minutes on, 30 seconds off. Is there a particular ratio you prefer and, and how do people sort of figure that one out for themselves? Yeah, it... Um 
it's a you know I use the ten one mostly, and then when in races, whether it's an Ironman or whether it's a marathon, I use something which I've just named the Zard formula, Z A R D or Z A R D, where they go the first third of the run. They they walk they go ten minutes run and they walk for thirty seconds and the second third of the run they go ten minutes walk walk forty five seconds and then the third third they go ten ten run one walk and uh, very interestingly I've had people negative split that way they actually go faster when they're walking for a minute. Okay, <laughs> very interesting. But it all depends on on the fitness level. You know, if you've got a a very big guy, let's say you've got a guy, he's, you know, uh, 80, 90 kilos, and he wants to do an Ironman marathon, uh, he, you know, he's got a lot of strength, but he doesn't have a lot of endurance. And even if he trains effectively, he's going to be better off doing something like five minutes, 15 seconds, or five minutes, 30 seconds, Mm -hmm. or even less than that. And then I've also had guys go, 10-1, 10-1, and as they fatigue, they go 7-1, you know, and they just bring it down that way. So it's, it's very much based on, on velocity and performance. If, if you find that when you're running, you're running so slowly that you're better off taking a, a, you know, a quicker walk interval and then being able to maintain good pace for three minutes, then, then that's a way to go. But that's the way you would do it. So an elite guy might go, I, I wouldn't let anybody go further than 15 minutes, but I actually prefer 10. Yeah. So an elite guy might want to go 10, 10 run, 15 walk. And, and, you know, the guys have done sub 230 for the marathon that way. Wow. I mean, I think, um, you know, in terms of the message you're getting across, for people who are, say, you know, four hour and beyond um, marathoners, whether that be in a fresh marathon or a... Um, uh, uh, an Ironman marathon, they're probably going to be think, think, sitting here thinking, "Yeah, I can, I can understand the rationale behind that and, and doing it." I think um, the struggle um, we have is, is the guys that are say three hours and below in, a, in an Ironman or, or a fresh marathon, they're going to start worrying that they they can't um, re- recruit that time. I mean, um, so you've found with with even as fast as two hour thirty that there's still benefits in doing the walking. Absolutely. Gordo himself has done two 75-minute um, half Ironman runs with the walk-run method. Mm. You know, so one, that, that's right on 2.30 pace, you know. So if you think if you can do 1.15 for a half marathon with a walk-run method, then, you know, again, the question you always ask yourself is, is could he do 1.15 without it? You know what I'm saying? So, in other words, I think what happens is, is you know, there was a rumor, and, and, and I should actually ask him if it's true because he lives in town and I speak to him quite often, is that Greg Bennett used to do walk training at after hours so nobody would see him walking because <laughs> but it was, it was so good for him, but <laughs> he felt that he didn't want anybody to see him. So, the big thing with the walk-run method is, is people just cannot get it past their ego. So, I say to them, yeah. <laughs> What, what do you want to run off the bike? Okay, I want to run four hours off the bike. Okay, good. Do you want to say, I ran the whole way, but I did 4.30? Or do you want to say, I did 3.55, uh, and nobody's going to ask you how you did it. Mm. But if you did 3.55 with a walk-run method, you went 25 minutes faster. But, oh, at least I ran the whole way. I know I took 4.30, and you went 3.55, but you cheated. You know, you walked. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that ego part of, that's very difficult, especially for the guys. Oh, totally. But what I normally say to people is you play the game. You know, when you do the walk-run, people come by you, especially when you're doing your walk section, and then they start getting a little less further ahead of you, a little less further ahead of you, and then eventually they, you can see them battling to keep 
up with you and eventually you don't see them anymore. And the big thing is, is you pass droves and droves and droves of people over the last 10, 15 K, you know, mm. because you, you just don't drop off. It's just a rhythm for you. And for them is they really struggling to even keep going at that stage. Yeah. I, I've been playing around with myself and I definitely find the, the ego thing, uh, takes a little bit of getting used to, uh, dropping into a walk. But hey, um, I mean, for someone like who, who is say, a three hour marathon in my last time and I did, um, three hours flat, Doing, you know, run it, running the whole way. Um, yeah. Is, is it uh, you, you've really got to look at obviously increasing the speed that you run to to, to make sure you rec- recruit that um, re- regroup that time that you've missed out. You know, say a three-hour marathon, you got to average four minutes sixteen k pace. I was sort of trying to work out my what pace I'd need to sustain um, to go under three hours if I was having that. You know, doing a nine minute on, one minute off. So you do actually have to run quicker um, in between that walking time, obviously. Yeah, now you now you start getting into uh, the the science of it, and you know, let's say, uh, let's say you want to do a sub four hour. This is the, the the math that I did for you based on our on our yeah. on our pre conversation, um, and you want to go the ten one ratio. All right, so it would be, you have to go five thirty nine point eight per k if you run the whole way. Mm-hmm. All right, so if you walk run, uh, let's say you can do nine minutes per k at your best walking pace. Which is con- conservative, but let's call it that. Mm-hmm. All right. So to run the whole way would give you a pace of thirty point nine per one eleventh of a k. Okay. All right. And then your walk pace is forty nine point one for one eleventh. So you remember you're running ten elevenths and you're walking one eleventh. Yeah. So your net loss is eighteen point two seconds per k. Yeah. All right. Th- and therefore you need to run five nineteen point eight pace instead of 539 pace to defray the walk pace cost. But in actuality, it's probably easier for you to run about 510s for 10-minute chunks. So what people do is is when they first come to it, they think about it theoretically, and then they try and do the math like we've just done and uh, end up finding out, wait a minute, um, my heart rate's not getting that high. I can comfortably run 510s. I'm already walking the nine minutes per K, so my overall pace is a little bit fast. And the mindset is, I'm running for 10 minutes, then I'm getting a walk break. I'm running for 10 minutes, I'm getting a walk break. I'm running for 10 minutes. So people can, they need to put a lid on it because they could probably run 450s. Exactly, yeah. All right, so so the the thing to do is is to take a bigger chunk and go and do the math for your, not do the math, do the do the test for yourself in terms of fuel, in terms of core temperature, in terms of maintaining pace. And that's why I'm saying a 90-minute run or a 25K run or something like that and then do another 25K run using the walk-run method and prove it to yourself that, wait a minute, not only is this easier for me to do and more efficient for me to do in terms of nutrition and heat management and, and pace management and everything else, it's actually just faster. Mm. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So, so uh, that, you know, that's the thing. And then the, also you have a look at your three-hour marathon that you did in your last Ironman and ask yourself, did I lose a lot from, from, uh, from 16 miles on? Did, you know, were my last 16Ks considerably slower than my, my first 16K? And if you kept pretty steady towards the end, well, then you probably find you, could, you, you, you can stick with the running. But if there was some drop-off at the end and you were really struggling, you know, you, you, let's say you won 253 or 254 pace for a long time and then lost six minutes over the last hour or something like that, then it might be something you want to look into. I think you know, typically the, the, the message you know, most triathlon coaches get is uh, you'll hear so many stories. Of, everything was going so well until I got to about the 30K mark. 
and that's that's a typical story you hear heard. And this obviously sounds like it could be a um, a solution to that. So I think it's definitely something people should be trying. Is there any um, other than just doing the hard maths in any of your books? Do you have any? Is there any way of any formulas you can use, um, or is it just a case of you got to figure out your your walking pace and then just do the maths um, for figuring out your run speed? That's what I uh, what I would suggest. But as I say, for most of my athletes, I don't do it because I'll simply go and say we're going to do a 16k tempo run, or we're going to do a 20k tempo run, or we're going to do a 25k tempo run, and let's do it this way. And then in a week, you know, let's first just do it running the way you used to do it. And a week later, we'll just do it, you know, with a walk run method. And then all your training becomes that. So instead of saying to yourself, "All right, I've got to figure it out for this race," you're saying, "No, my training is walk run training. In my training, my tempo." runs are at this, my time trials are at this, my off the bike bricks are this, my, you know, my combination training is this. And so in other words, you, you don't consider it as walk run, you consider it as the way that you continue doing this race after T2. And so all your training becomes the same it would before. So what's your pace? My pace is 539 a K. That's what I want to race at. And that's what I train at. Oh, I, and I use the walk-run method. But I don't figure that in like, oh, shoot, when I'm running, I have to run at 519s. Yeah, yeah. You see what okay. I'm saying? Yeah. No, it's, yeah. it's for, for the athletes I've been uh, trialing with, they, they've been uh, getting some really positive results from it. And I think probably one of the, another one of the key things that the feedback they're giving me is uh, they're finding it significantly less fatigue um, from from especially their long runs, and they're able to you know crack into the rest of their training for for the rest of the week, and and, and especially when um, you know, if you're running three hours, and, and some people even like to run beyond three hours, and listeners know that I'm not a, not a big fan of that, um, they do find that it's just you know that just wrecks them for the rest of the week, so that they're finding that this method is is really enabling them to crack on with their rest of the training a lot quicker. And that's what the exercise physiologists tell us all the time. You've got to train consistently and continuously. And you can't do any kind of training that shatters you so much that you actually start to detrain before you can train again. And that, that's such an important thing. So what people don't realize is, is that, A, when you are forced to walk in an Ironman, you have not trained to walk. All right, so and so the mindset is negative and the physiological capabilities, the training is not there. But when you train to walk run, you have set your mindset, you proactively walking from the start. Um, you're probably better off walking for the first three minutes out of T2. You probably end up running way, way faster at the end of the day. And you, you know, you've also that whole thing is part of, of your mindset, you know. So um, I think that's what people are going to find very, very quickly. Pretty soon it's going to be – I mean, I teach uh, to USA triathlon coaches at least once a month throughout the year. And every time I get to a level two or a level three coaching course, people come to me and they say, well, I've got this athlete, you know, he's 59. Or I've got this athlete, she's 26, and she just took seven minutes off her Ironman time. And all her training times were the same. All she did was the walk-run method, you know, so – it's pretty cool. Ah, oh, very good. Well, guys, if anybody out there does have any uh, success stories once you get rolling with this, um, please do send them in. Bobby, you've also got um, a few books. You know, I'm looking on your website there, and one of the ones that um, looks appealing to me is, is your Run Workout for Runners and Triathletes. Maybe tell us about some of the, the titles you've got there on your website. 
Yeah, well, I've got three titles. Uh, the one is my first book. It's called Magical Running, and it's a, a book about the sports psychology, and it goes all from the scientific approach of visualization, affirmations, and that kind of thing, all the way to the little bit more esoteric about asking yourself a question, why do you compete, and you know what's it all for? So it's, it's very much a mental skills book, and it's set up like a workbook, so there's lots of place for you to, to develop your, your mental skills over, a, over a, any specific training phase, and the book is set up for over a year, but you can you know you can convert it into a you know a six months to an Ironman or three months to a to an ITU race or whatever the case might be, and the second book is called uh, Running Sports Essentials, which just covers uh, muscle activation, uh, dynamic warm ups, um, core work, and post exercise stretching. And it talks about active release stretching, which is uh, which is all the rage at the moment and works extremely well. And then my latest book, which is um, Run workouts for runners and triathletes, and that's set up a bunch of training programs. I think it's one of the few books out there that offers running programs for um, Olympic distance triathlon, half Ironman, and Ironman, but doesn't put in any cycling and doesn't put in any swimming. That's yeah. that's, that's and uh, um, it's also got all those workouts. And funny enough, Jared Schumacher's coach said to me about a, six weeks ago that. He loves the book because, you know, he does all the right type of work with Jared, but sometimes the workouts get boring, so he goes and looks in the, in the appropriate section and he finds this plethora of workouts that he can choose from, and, and apparently Jared really enjoys that. Oh, very good. And they're all available at uh, bobbymcgee.com. We'll have a link of, on that um, up to the, on our website this week. So one other question I've just been thinking about, and, and it caused a bit of debate a couple of weeks ago on the show. We had uh, Rasmus Henning on the show, and we've now got five questions. We ask all pro athletes to just sort of quick-fire questions at the end of the interview, and um, we asked him how quick he, he, could, he thinks he could run a fresh marathon. What, you know, for, for the top, top Ironman guys and, and, the, and the top runners um, that are, you know, Macca and, and Crowey and, and perhaps Rasmus, what do you think they're capable of running a, a fresh marathon in approximately? Um, you know, I like to work on that four to seven percent rule. So, you know, four to seven percent faster than they can can run off the bike. Uh, but if you if you look at those kind of guys, you know, you're thinking maybe 30 minutes. You know, so I'm thinking, you know, I'm looking at the, at the ultra marathon days and so on as well. Do you think of, of, you know, guys like Mark Allen and so on? Probably if you're a 245 guy off the bike, you probably, if you train specifically for it and you got your pacing right, you might be like a 215 guy, a 214 guy, 216, somewhere in there. I don't know if they if they felt the same way. Well, he, he said 212 and we, we thought that was a bit quick and, and, a, and a few of our um, listeners that, were, that are fairly well-known runners sort of said that's just ridiculous and, and I was just thought <laughs> I was of the thoughts that um, it probably just a little bit under 220 would be about right for, for a lot of those guys if they train fairly specifically for it. Yeah, and it also depends on the build of the guy, you know. So I think like maybe a guy like Simon Whitfield, he might be able to go under 215. Yeah. Uh, but Rasmus is a big boy. I don't know if he'll be able to run that fast for that long. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and your prediction, any predictions for Kona this year? Do you think anybody's going to come out of the hat and, and rip it? You know, I haven't seen, you know, from the blogs and from following along with stuff like that. I, was, I had some chats with Cliff English the other day. I haven't, I haven't seen anybody but the usual suspects, you know, showing any kind of form that seems to, to make, a, make a, a breakout performance uh, likely this year. One thing, if you've been talking to Cliff English, obviously we had uh, Lake Placid at the weekend. We saw Sam McGlone finish second there, which was um, a little bit of a surprise. Do you know if she was just racing that just to get a qualifying spot or she was actually racing it as a race? 
I don't know, but Sam has been struggling for a very long time to to overcome a, an Achilles injury, and uh, so she's been building up for for quite a while. So I'm not sure what it, what was her run split. I didn't get to see uh, what her run split it was. It wasn't on fire. It wasn't anything super special. It wasn't like three hours or anything like that. Okay, okay. No, I I, I think she probably came out to qualify, mm. but I also know that she hasn't been. Um, uh, you know, she hasn't been pushing very, very hard on the run. I think she's been trying to build some volume and, and get healthy again, you know. Interesting to see how she goes. Anyway, thanks very much for your time, Bobby. Guys, you, if you want to check out um, Bobby's books, again, you can go to bobbymcgee.com and we'll have a link up on the site for that. And uh, maybe we'll get Bobby back at some stage, maybe talk a bit more about the magical running side of things and, and the mental skills. So thanks very much for your time, Bobby, and um, all the rest, best for the rest of the year. Good luck, guys, and thanks for having me, John. You're thinking well, you've had the interview and I haven't listened to it. Hopefully yet. the sound quality is okay because I was I was going solo on this. Because well, I had to model today, didn't I? You did. I pulled it's, the plug about. It's so hard that modelling. It's just so hard. <laughs> um, so hopefully the sound quality is okay. If it's not, it is completely my fault. Yeah, but hey, that's not your job, John. So it's mm. my fault because I should have set you up properly. Mm. So I'll take responsibility if it's bad. Mm. Well, we could both can. Okay. But anyway, so after talking to him and I don't know, I haven't heard it. So I'm. I'm yeah. But. You're thinking about doing the walk around strategy. I'm already doing it in training. So what uh, do you do? Well, I'm doing nine minutes on, one minute off. Um, Is this for an Ironman-based training? Uh, if I was doing You're not going to do an Olympic size, are you? I wouldn't do it in an Olympic distance race. Um, but, uh, in a marathon you'd do it? Yep. Wow. Yep. But I'd, 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 I'd fiddle around with it a little bit. And what I will do most likely when it comes to Ironman, um, I probably won't do exactly nine on, one off. I'll basically do every aid station walking through for a, a probably walk for about 20, 15, 20 seconds before the aid station to get my tummy settled, go through the aid station, then run straight after. I feel I need to listen to this interview because I've got a lot of questions, but I'm sure they've just been answered. Yeah. Oh, you, you do a marathon up. walk run? Yeah. Well, just quickly, because I'm sure you said, but why? Uh, reduce the fade in the second half. So oh, you can really? basically run pretty even split all the way through. And, you know, you hear all the stories, so many people, yourself included, you yeah. say, Get to, I got to, everything was going great until 32k, 35k. Yours was the wind, and then couldn't hold it together. Um, and that's one of the big things behind this is uh, reducing the fade and also in training. But um, does it cost you overall? I suppose you lose too much time. Doesn't fade, no, don't you? So you go faster when you're running, um, but you're losing a little bit of time. So to give you an example, um, for for me for running a three-hour marathon in an Ironman, I need to average four minutes sixteen k pace. Um, if I'm going to be doing a walk-run policy. Uh, I'll need to run about 4.09 um, yep. per K pace, but I'll likely run quicker than that because my natural running speed, and I'm always holding back when I'm an yeah, Ironman, yep. um, is closer to four minutes. So I'll probably be running, you know, say 4.05s, um, and then I'll be losing a bit in the walk. And then okay, okay. So, you, so you're an athlete who's a pretty high standard. Moderately high standard. Well, 8.40 something's pretty fast, mate. Yeah. And so if you're looking at something like that, do you think this is something we'll see our top athletes do? He certainly thinks so. I, I think um, ego will get in the way for most of the top athletes that they won't be able to do it. Yep. But I think you'll certainly find a few that will give it a go. I mean, um, he, he talks about Gordo. You know, he's run a, a one fifteen off the bike and a half marathon doing the run walk policy. Really? So one fifteen off the bike is even if it's short or whatever. Yeah. One fifteen is one fifteen. Yeah, um, yeah. That's, that's pretty solid. That's pretty, pretty so I think we will see a lot more. Well, this could be this could be a big change in our sport. It is. It's been around for a while. Yeah, but no one's um, really applied it. Yeah, but now it's been on I, I am tour. Well, that's I what I'm saying. We've just introduced it to the world. Yeah, but yeah. you've got to practice. It's like anything. You got to practice in training. If you don't practice in training, you're going to be crap at doing it in the race. I think the thing is when you get the athlete who's just you know when you get like five races and you just get the same result and you never get what you want. Mm. You know, for some people who are trying something different, this could be a really cool idea. 
Okay. Talked so much, we could have done my high five now. I'm, I'm a bit, bit, bit disappointed I haven't done the high five. It's well, coming up next week. You've got to listen Honestly, to it's the best one ever, isn't it, John? I better not talk it up too much. It might be it's, it's not the best one ever. No. It's just because you've got a sponsor and then you want some free stuff. No, 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 it isn't actually. Oh. It's, it, it, it was actually brought up by somebody else. Oh, and okay. I'll, I'll give them a plug next week. Okay, make sure you give them a plug this week. There's no name there. Anyway. You'll get a name. Anyway, anyway, okay, what are we doing here? Okay, so questions and answers. And we haven't really got any this week, but we have got a quick couple of things for our Christchurch listeners. For Christchurch listeners. And these days, flights to Christchurch, for this is for New Zealand listeners, I mean, it's, <laughs> you, can, you can get flights for 29 bucks to Christchurch from Auckland. Now. And it'll be worth it, really, because if you come to Christchurch, you're going to stop in at Fishmongers yeah. down Victoria Street, isn't it? Yep. Victoria or whatever it is. Victoria Street. Yep, and because we listened to the show last week and he was talking about how much I love this fish and chips, and he said, well, in that case, I am talking listeners can have 20% off for the month of August. And then 10% thereafter. Forever, ever. Yeah. He so cooks them in canola oil. They are, they are well. Do you know canola, I've got a good story about canola oil. Do you know canola oil? Yeah. you know why it's called canola oil? Why is it called canola because oil? Because the seed actually comes from a seed called rape seed. And they thought, you can't really call it rape oil. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. and, but it comes from Canada. So that's right. why, yeah. Ah, so I'm just, trivia, nice. I'm full of it. I tell you, change your life. Yeah, just a lot going on up in that head of yours. That's right. <laughs> but, <laughs> exactly. but anyway, um, so you've got to go in and see Richard. He doesn't work on Sundays, I don't think. No. Um, but Richard's the man you talk to. Say you're an IM Talk listener, you get 20% off in August, 10% off thereafter. And, 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 and it can kind of be a little niche thing to do. Mm. If you ever come to Christchurch, that's where you go. Yeah. You know, it's like the horn. Oh, we've got to do that That's fishmongers right. thing. Oh, I love your work. But you have got the quinine. Quinine, we talked about last week. Um, you, I mean, you've got to get quinine prescribed by a doctor, but the general dosage is um, you take 200 milligrams before the race and 200 towards the end of the bike and that's going to be a way to help uh, minimise the and cramping issue. And does that depend on weight or is that pretty standard for everybody? Don't know the answer to that. <laughs> okay. um, shouldn't have asked. Shouldn't have asked. <laughs> Talk to your doctor about that. I, think, I, don't, think, I don't think there's... If you if you take too much, I don't think there's really serious risks, um, especially with that sort of dosage. If you started going crazy and popping yeah. like loads of pills, then there might be some issues. So check it out with your doctor, but that's sort of the dosage you're looking at. We'll do that afterwards. Sponsors, Athlinks.com. I see Athlinks were getting up to, I'm not sure if they've gone through it, but they're up to, you pull up the page. Oh. Um, do you work? Do you work? Uh, 70,000. That's what I was about to say. Uh. It's up to 70,000. Members. What's more amazing is they're nearly tracking forty-five thousand races. Yeah. So. Oh, results. Sorry. Results. No. Oh so, no, but then oh, that's forty-four million results. Yeah. One hundred twenty-four thousand races. So. Six hundred sixty-six clubs are now on there. Nice. So um, the club thing is great. We've talked about that before. But basically, the main thing I want to push this week is if you're not on there, and we know a lot of you are not friends of the IM Talk Show at this stage on yep. Athlinks, is just go on there, add us to your your, your partners. We're we're, we're moving up the rankings. Fourth. We're currently fourth. We're currently are we fourth or fifth? We're uh, just fifth. behind. We're one behind Nike. Come no, on, no, team! We're, oh, we were in front. We were in front of them the other day. Were we? I now, middle Essex and Garmin have got a big jump on us, but I think we can but do it, John. We can easily do it. We we know how many people listen to the show. Yeah, come on, pull your socks up, team. We can easily multiply our numbers by quite a few. Yes. So all you do, go into um, athlinks.com. If you haven't already created an identity, it takes just a couple of seconds. You claim your results, keep them in one place, add I am talk to your friends. While you're there, you might as well add try buys on there as well. And uh, and you can and and basically like if you like a product, you can find like-minded people who talk mm. about your product that you like. So if you love your specialised bike or your 
Avanti job they sponsor. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or your Avanti bike. You can go find people who talk about specialised stuff and you can have a discussion around the product you, that you really like. And it's basically keeps your results all in one place. It's nice and easy. You can compare, compare yourself against your mates and uh, keeps it all in place. You don't have to go searching through lots of results. It's all in one place. That's bloody brilliant, John. Okay, Coffees of Hawaii. I'm going to talk about today, John. I'm going to talk about the cups. The cups, you like the cups. It's a good little gift present, the cups, actually. Quite cool. Yeah, well, have you ever been to Europe? Yeah, you've been, yeah a couple of times? Just, just once or twice. Because <laughs> <laughs> they have cups like that big. Little espresso yeah, cups. Yeah, I, when I first went to Portugal, the first time I went to Europe, and I went to Portugal and I, I said, I'll have a cup of coffee. And they gave me like, one of those espresso cups. Yeah. And I was like, where's the coffee? <laughs> but not if you get a cup of Hawaii cup, because you get a real cup. You get a real cup. And while you're there, you might as well order yourself some coffee as well. So, and for those of you who don't actually like caffeine in your diet, so like maybe you're someone who actually likes to be a bit wise with how you use your caffeine. Mm-hmm. So you want to use it for race day tactics, and yep. we've talked about that before. You can actually get some really good decaf coffees from there. So if you mm. like the taste of coffee, but you don't want to have the caffeine so much, you've got about maybe three different styles of oh no, about. 12 different styles really and uh, you can go on there and get your, your reoccurring delivery happening you can check it out you can have your decaf and then when it comes up to race week you can get some of that kind of Molokai Island Princess happening oh yeah yeah. and the coffee that's right <laughs> but a lot of people like to have decaf in the evenings as well when they uh, yeah. to, to make sure they can help my Joe does a little bit. good Joe does yeah because she doesn't like coffee after like caffeine after like one right. she won't sleep so if you want to get yourself some decaf, use the code IMTALK and uh, you get a 20% discount. And remember, if you go to their blogs, they often have little discounts there as well. Oh, yeah. Go to your coffee card as well. Blue card, top right corner. Gang, Coffeesofhawaii.com. And lastly, trybuys.com. Oh, look at oh, this. This is a bit... Oh, <laughs> they're listening. Yeah. First of all, we're going to give them the big love because they've changed the logo on their front page. Now, IMTALK. There's another reason to go there first. But what they have got is they've got their... Try buys summer heat sale 09. Oh, very fancy. Do you want to click on that, John? That is hot. <laughs> I need hot. to take this jacket off. And I've got all your products. You've got your bike stuff. You've got everything there. Look at that. Two times you try top. Goggles. You never have enough goggles. I go through goggles. Look at this. 30 bucks for a, for a slight cycle top. Nice. Two times you elite woman's shorts. 55 bucks. Nice. What are you, what are you pointing at something there, John? I was just going to go back to their homepage. See oh. oh, there's a Giro Aero helmet down there as well. How much? How much? Was one four nine one twenty five? Whoa, a bike that's pretty much half price. Mm, some uh, gurus. Yeah, honestly, oh, we've got some good winter gear. Always the key good. to try buys is, is when you get on their website, make sure you go to sales page first, and then it takes you to each category. And at the top of the page, you have swim, bike, run, off-road, and try gear, and that's going to take you to the different categories of things. And you can get it's just it's a bargain, it's galore. You can get your little toolkit thing for fifteen bucks. Mm. Where's the mean looking bike of that guru? May well be a guru. We do get uh, Kiwis, we do get shafted in New Zealand. Check it out because. Uh, well, the Guru is currently, this is obviously the top of the line model, is nearly $9,000 US yeah. and you can get it for about 5500 Yeah. So. And if you want to buy that overseas, you're getting free shipping. Yeah. yeah. So it's a no brainer. Uh, Kiwis, do, do check it out because we do get shafted on a lot of things oh. in New Zealand. Um, and grant, you know, if you're not going to spend over 200 bucks, you might you may have to pay for a bit of shipping, but it usually still ends up being a lot cheaper. Hey, and they, they support I Am Talk. Mm. And, and hey, they listen. They listen, they put the logo up there, we that's, like it. And I must say that, it's one thing, we, when anyone ever buys from Tri-Buys, we always get emails saying, you know what, mm. these guys' service is absolutely amazing. So, you know, internet buying can be a bit of hit and miss, but with this yep. company, they really do deliver. So, love their work. Sponsors are... Athlinks.com. Get on there and get on IM Talks team. Coffeesofhawaii.com.
Put a decaf if you want to sleep at night. <laughs> and trybuys.com. Get on the, what is it, the summer heat. Summer sales. heat. Good luck to everybody who's racing this weekend. I'm in UK listeners, mine man listeners. Give it heaps. Go on, go in the UK because we've not got a few UK listeners. Mm. Now, John. It's going to be a long show. Okay, we've got a couple of nicknames here. These guys have, uh, if you're familiar with uh, how you get a nickname, these people have donated to the show. We really appreciate that. We've got all our money for Kona, but people... You're welcome to keep on yeah, donating. Totally. And, and you Keeps know what? Us going. It, it really does. And it helps us with equipment and stuff like that. You know, like and all that kind of stuff costs a lot of money. We've got bandwidth costs and everything. So definitely, if you want to help us out, we really, really appreciate it. And uh, it really means a lot to us. And you still will get nicknames. Oh, yeah. And up until Kona, you're still going to draw for the big prize pick we've That's arranged. Right. I will arrange it soon. It is going to be good, though. Right. <laughs> you better start arranging it. Right. Ed, the Yeovil Yodeler. <laughs> now, why would that come from? Because he's from Yeovil. The Yeovil Yodel. And what was the one I came up with for that? Um, Massive, was it? No, I don't think so. Mayhem. Mayhem. Andrew Mayhem Mayha. Very nice. <laughs> That's good. It's gold. It's gold. Yep. Ned. No nonsense, Phillips. I don't know why I came out. I just, it just came to me. I was just going, what am, what am I going to do this one? Need no nonsense well, flops. I, I was around somewhere and I was like watching TV and this is why James Cody's going to get his nickname and it's totally nothing to do with anything other than the right. fact I watched this last night. Yeah. But on MTV they had the wrestling program. Did you watch that? <laughs> no. <laughs> they had celebrity want to be a wrestler and, yeah. and they had like Dennis Rodman end up winning. It was, it was a hot, must-see TV, John, I must say. But... Hulkamania was on it. Oh, so James, Hulkamania Cody. Right. What you gonna do when you're on it? It's Macho Man. What did Hulk Hogan say? I thought it was that. No, because he's, what no. you gonna do when Macho Man and Randy? It's all of you. Yeah, there's... Uh, when you're Hulkamaniacs. Yeah. So James, Hulkamania Cody. Nice. And Andrew, what was my other one? Andrew. Mayhem. 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 Uh, so if you want a nickname and whenever you email us make sure you always put your nickname on because we're going to say it on the show that's right love your work long show one thing I do want to plug I do a thing in Christchurch called Race Team if you're in Christchurch and you know somebody who wants to do a half marathon it's basically group training for half marathons I'm going in for the half half Ironman in Ashburton I'm doing a race team for that Um, we've currently got quite a few people signed up we want to get more people involved so let us know and bring it on check out the website it's www.raceteam.co.nz I haven't been up to much this week. What have I been up? I've just been out watching the Canterbury Secondary Schools duathlon this morning, this afternoon. Very cold out there. How'd they go? go. I didn't notice the signs because they had to drive back <clears> through. Yep. My girls took it out first and second in the seniors, so oh, it's good. Nice. Uh, <clears throat> other than that, all is good in the hood, Bevan. That's about it for this week. Really? Yeah, well, I've, I've really? got, I've got it's, we've got, we've both got things to do. No, 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 I need to know more. What okay. Else? What are you going for the then? weekend, John? Because honestly, I think people think this is the best part of the show. What are we going on this weekend? Just family. I'm having a bit more family time now. I'm making it on Sunday dedicated family day. Nice. Um, what do you do when you do family day, John? <clears throat> we just go play and go to the park. Nice. Um, do you go on the swings yourself? Thomas loves it when I go on the swings. He finds it quite Do you, do you go really high? Or do you I go do. scary high? I do. Belinda doesn't like that. <laughs> John, I can't afford for you Stop. to die. <laughs> uh, other than that, this weekend, can't think much else going on. Tour de France is finished. No more Tour de Francing. What's on for sport this weekend? All Blacks playing again. They better pull their bloody socks up. Who are they playing? South Africa. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, yuppies. Yeah, that's the stuff. And that's about it, Bevan. Well, I tell you what happened. I must be a little bit of a bit of a scruffy-looking guy, John. Well, you look like a bit strange with that hat on. Yeah. Yep. Well, yep. I do like this hat. So I'm, I'm biking to the gym last night, John, and this young guy on who would have been probably 18 was on a was on like a little 10 year old's BMX, mm-hmm. really small, and, and I was kind of looking at him a little bit <clears> odd. And he turned around and looked at me, and I thought, does he want to pick a fight with me? Because <laughs> you know he looked a little bit rough around the edges. And he came up to me and he goes, and he'd been at the cash converters now. That's a pawn shop. Yeah. And then he goes, hey mate, have you got any ID? And I go, why is that? And he goes, because I've got no ID and I'm trying to sell something at cash converters. <laughs> and he was obviously only trying to sell something that was a little bit stolen. Yeah. And I said, no mate, he goes, do you like drugs? <laughs> I go, oh no, not really, because I'm trying to get some drugs and I'm trying to sell this to get some drugs. Do you like drugs? And I go, oh, I'm actually going to the gym. So, <laughs> so oh, if you need some drugs, I could probably hook them up for you. The use of today. <laughs> What's happening, what John? What is happening to this world? What's happening? So I didn't get any drugs because I'm a good fitness professional. Do you give them the ID though? No. Yeah, I went and got the stuff. We went half, so I made good profit on it, so it was all good. Right, that's this week's show. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. kaha.